Happy Friday, friends. Here's what's coming up on NSN Daily. The latest crop of NBA prospects have their new homes. We're talking the draft and looking at how the Mountain West fare. So that's the way of golf. It's the ebb and flow, the ups and downs, and, um, but I, I really love this game. Our Reno Tahoe golf tour continues as Nevada Sportsnet's Alex Margulies hits the links at Somerset with Wolfpack great Cody Fajardo. We'll also head to Greater Nevada Field with the Aces back in town. We're chatting with Reno's shortstop, Blaze Alexander. As soon as you see it, man, you can take it, and if you can capture it, and it's that instantaneous thing. And you know we're back out at the wildest, richest rodeo in the West. Nevada Sportsnet's Shannon Kelly goes behind the lens with Pro Rodeo's Photographer of the Year. All that and so much more right now on NSN Day. Well, hey, y'all, alongside Shannon Kelly, I'm Mike Stephenson, and this is a Friday installment of NSN Daily. Shannon, after a couple days out at the rodeo, we are back inside the friendly confines of our champion Chevrolet studio, but it was a couple fun days out there at the rodeo. It sure was, Mike. I kicked off, uh, kicked some dust off my boots the last <laughs> couple of days. We were out at the rodeo gathering some stories. We mm -hmm. did our show out there, had yep. some great interviews, lots of Great coverage as it's all coming to an end on and Saturday night when the Silver Spurs are handed out. A bunch of sets of Silver Spurs will be handed out Saturday. We'll have coverage for you coming up throughout the weekend. But as Shannon mentioned, those shows from the Reno Rodeo can be viewed at NevadaSportsNet.com because we did pack a whole lot into those broadcasts with interviews from not just contestants, but those involved behind the scenes, mm -hmm. the future rodeo president, all of the above. But um, I know we have some video of uh, throughout the week that we've been able to capture, and it's just been another great addition edition 104 of the Reno Rodeo. Hard to believe. It really is hard to believe. I remember when it was the 100th yeah. Reno Rodeo, Mike, to think now it's another several years have uh, gone by. Uh, it's always a great week and just to think how many volunteers there are that are involved with the Reno Rodeo to make this thing happen because there really are not many paid employees at the Reno Rodeo. It's mainly all volunteers for this event. That's such a good point, and they work, you know, the, the spotlight is on them for 10 nights every year, but the work continues throughout the rest of the year, and nobody sees it happen, and then great things happening with the Reno Rodeo Foundation, as of course we had them represented on the show yesterday as well, but you're seeing some of the world's best. If you are a top cowboy or cowgirl in the world, you make it through the Reno Rodeo, and it was interesting, Shannon, looking at last night's day sheet and some of the athletes that were here, and a lot of them were... Uh, not just former Reno Rodeo champions, but former world champions. And it feels like there was some strategy involved that if you come toward the end of the week and you do well, you don't have to leave and come back. You just are already in town for Saturday's short round. Right. There was <laughs> probably at least one champion from each event yeah. competing last night, whether it was a past Reno Rodeo champion or a world champion, handful of them competing in hopes to make it back here. For Saturday, I'm sure there's even some that may be surprised to hear their names that yeah. there will be coming back on Saturday just the way things have played out this week. Nothing is a for sure get, though, right. until you get that call. It's the name of the game. Get back for Saturday. You have a chance to win a boatload more money. 
and also those coveted silver spurs. Again, we'll have coverage of the championship round coming up Saturday. You can see that on News 4 at 11. But we just saw some video that we were able to capture behind our lens. You were able to connect with a guy who does it for a living at each and every rodeo that he can get to. It was really cool catching up with Click Thompson. Yes, his name is Click. That is his nickname. <laughs> his real name is Chris. But uh, really cool to check, you know, check out and just hear his story. He grew up in Virginia and, you know, didn't really know much about rodeo growing up wasn't really involved in the scene too much until you know a friend he had was a bull rider mm -hmm. and he got involved in it and he decided hey photography is my passion that's what he wanted to do and it was really cool just hearing what he had to say sometimes things just click i just needed a url for a website it was kind of around the time when myspace and aol and it was a good kind of trigger word and with Click Thompson, it was easy. There's a lot of Christopher Thompsons in the world. After studying graphic design in college, Thompson found a love for photography. As a designer, I would have sometimes maybe writer's block a little bit, similar kind of thing where it just, I found out now it's just I was brainstorming poorly. I wasn't like writing stuff down. I tried to do it all up here. But photography, as soon as you see it, man, you can take it and if you can capture it and it's that instantaneous thing. From shooting portraits to concerts, Thompson transitioned into sports and discovered the world of rodeo. Just kind of stumbled upon it. One of my coworkers, I used to work at a theme park and he rode bulls for like eight years and told me about some of the stuff locally when I grew up in Virginia. And I just found some local stuff and it's kind of started from there, little building blocks on to the next thing. 12 years later, Thompson has captured hundreds of rodeos, including the Super Bowl of them all, the National Finals Rodeo, in Las Vegas. There's a lot of places that I've been that I probably would have never been had I not gotten into rodeo photography. I got to shoot at Rapid City last year and actually go to, to see Mount Rushmore and, and do stuff like that. I mean, from been to Maine, Texas, all the edges of everywhere, Florida. And he continues to embrace the challenge of shooting rodeo through a lens, one photo at a time. You really never know where anything's going to end up. You know, someone could fall off a horse or, you know, a horse could buck this way four times in a row. And then today that horse is going to go left. So, or, you know, and bulls, you know, they go wherever they want. So it's a lot of things out of your control and it's kind of unique because you also are on the field of play. So to be out there and there's horses running by you and stuff like that, there's no greater feel. And to top it off, Thompson was voted the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association Photographer of the Year in 2022. The Western lifestyles wasn't originally a part of my background, so for me, it, I mean, it's icing on the cake for me. I never, it's one thing to do the thing you've always dreamed about doing, it's another thing to do something you didn't realize was even possible. So to, to be a PRCA photographer in such a short period of time, and then to be photographer of the year quite shortly after that, and do the NFR, um, I mean, I'm super blessed and thankful for it. At the Reno Rodeo, Shannon Kelly, Nevada Sportsnet. How about that logo? That is so cool. Yeah, it and is. so 2022 PRCA Photographer of the Year, but that 2022 year did not include the wildest, richest rodeo in the West. This was his first time in Reno. This was. This was his first rodeo, we could say, here in Reno. He's covered <laughs> so many rodeos, but this was the first rodeo here in Reno for Click. And he just said, you know, what's really special is the lights, the sunsets at nighttime when you get that uh, glimmer, I mm -hmm. guess, right before sunset. He said as a photographer, that's been probably the, the coolest part about covering this rodeo for him is just capturing some pretty amazing shots in in here at Reno. First yeah, and not many rodeos take place under the lights like the Reno Rodeo does. A lot of them are in the daytime hours. And uh, I actually had my father-in-law 
in town uh, earlier this week and got to bring him to his first Reno rodeo. And he lives in Central California. They spend some time at some of the smaller rodeos there. And they were, he and his uh, lady, Monica, were struck by just how professional it was and how yeah. nice the grandstands are. And they were like, man, we're used to breathing in all this dirt and kind of <laughs> dealing with that. But no, that's not how the Reno Rodeo is. It's a little more uh, big time. It's another level. So it's good stuff. It's kind of crazy. I can't even really imagine a rodeo indoors because this is all I know. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, that's. <laughs> All I knew. And so. having grown up here, I didn't appreciate the Reno Rodeo for what it was, but I <laughs> certainly do now because it really is the wildest, richest in the West, if you're not counting the national finals, which take place, of course, down in Las Vegas each December. Once again, the Rodeo wraps up Saturday. We'll have full coverage of those championship rounds on News 4 Saturday at 11. It's been a fun time covering the Reno Rodeo. It sure has. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, we're going to spend part of this Friday at Greater Nevada Field. It's a nice day for a ball game. But before Reno takes on Albuquerque, we're going one-on-one -on -one with Aces infielder Blaze Alexander. That's next. Welcome back to NSN Daily on a Friday. She's Shannon Kelly. I'm Mike Stephenson. We're hanging out in our Champion Chevrolet studio and heading down to Greater Nevada Field, the Reno Aces in the middle of their series with Albuquerque as we are now joined by infielder Blaze Alexander. There are some pretty good names on this team, Blaze, <laughs> but I got to say yours is probably toward the top. Is there an origin story? <laughs> uh, not much. My dad, so my dad played uh, double A ball with the Indians and uh, there was just, he had a uh, player named Blaze, man. He just told the guy, he's like, I'm going to name my kid that, man. So. That's kind of that's how it came up. There's no really cool story or anything, but pretty cool name. <laughs> it's still pretty There's cool. There's a baseball background with it, too. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And your brother also plays baseball. Definitely. He's currently in the uh, Royals organization, CJ Alexander. Just how much have you looked up to your brother throughout the sport growing up? Oh, I mean, my brother's my role model, you know. It's, uh, I've always looked up to him, wanted to be like him, play like him, you know, and uh, – it's pretty cool and real fortunate to for us to be in the same situation together. You know, it's I'm, he's a phone call away, I'm a phone call away, and we're de we deal with the same struggles. And uh, yeah, I mean, we just kind of we were on this journey together, man. So it's 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 really special. It's pretty cool to see two brothers mm -hmm. at that Triple A level and just a couple of years apart. Uh, it's been a heck of a season for you, and maybe not in the best way. April thirteenth, you're just getting things rolling hit by a pitch, you ended up breaking your right thumb. Just uh, what was that process like having to go through rehab as we've just got you back in action over the last, what, couple weeks or so? Yeah, so, I mean, it was definitely unfortunate. Had a good start to the year. I mean, I was vibing with the guys in the locker room. These are, I mean, some of my best friends in this locker room, you know. So leaving them, it was tough. And But I went back to Arizona. Uh, I was home. My parents live at home, so live in Arizona. So I was at home commuting to rehab every day and, it made it a lot easier, you know, I mean, getting home-cooked meals for my parents. And, uh, yeah, it was just – it could have been a lot harder, but uh, it, ma it made it easy being home with my parents and just having them around, you know. Yeah, home-cooked meal is always that nice. Yeah, I couldn't imagine yeah. only when you're rehabbing as well. Just mentally, though, you know, was this one of the first injuries you've dealt with or how difficult was that for you if this was one of your first serious injuries? Yeah, so last year I had a bone contusion in my wrist. I was out maybe a little less than a month. So this was kind of my first first surgery in the middle of the year, you know, being shut down. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, the staff in Arizona, the rehab staff, took care of me and uh, got me right and got me back out here really quick. So 
uh, respect to them, real fortunate uh, to be under their care, you know, and uh, here we are, I'm back and trying to help the Reno Aces win another championship. That's the thing, you got to be a part of that championship celebration last year. You played uh, seven games with Reno, and now I can imagine how much you were chomping at the bit to get back with this roster this year, knowing just how talented you guys are once again. How's it been uh, since you've gotten back, and just what's your main focus right now, knowing that you know there's a lot of Diamondbacks fans that are excited to see how, uh, how you come to fruition, I guess? Yeah, I mean, my main focus is just come out here and uh, just put competitive at-bats together, do, do what I was doing early in the year, and... Uh, I mean, with the lineup that we have, I mean, it makes it easy, man. Just kind of just fill my role, and I'd say our whole lineup's almost hitting 300. Maybe two guys in the 200s, but they're still swinging it really well, and it's just, I mean, it's next man up, next man up, and we feed off each other. So it's these guys make it a whole lot easy. I was checking the box scores when I was out in Arizona, and, I mean, I was just fiending to get, fiending to get back in the lineup and just help contribute. So. What's it been like now having uh, Kyle Lewis in the dugout with you guys? Carson Kelly was recently there rehabbing Reno as well, but uh, just having a veteran that you can learn from uh, right now in Reno here. Yeah, I talked to Kyle a lot. Uh, we actually we just had her early hitting together on the field for, I don't know, 30 minutes, you know, and uh, he's just a great guy to have. The guy's, I mean, been at the top of the game, rookie of the year in uh, 2020, and uh, just try to be like him, man. He comes to the field. He works hard every day. He's, he's always doing something to help his body and uh, just make sure that he's firing all cylinders out in the playing field. You know, he's five for five yesterday, and it's just it's really cool to see, man. I hope he gets back up there, and he's going to have some really good success, man, because he works hard, and he's an unbelievable, unbelievable guy. Speaking of having success, I mean, the big club is having a ton of it, leading the mm -hmm. NL West. Do you have your eyes on the big league club when you're focusing on what you're doing at the AAA level? How does their success determine how you focus on things? I can imagine it's not much different. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, the goal going into this year is try to make a debut and go help that team win, man. And it's just uh, since being here in 2018, they haven't had very many winning seasons, and it was just something being in big league spring training, you felt, felt the different energy out of that club and knew that they were going to do something special this year. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're in first place in the NL. And, uh, man, I mean, everyone in this locker room wants to go up there and help that team win and just, just be a part of it. You know, it's special. So you spent a little bit of time in Reno last year, but now that you're back here again this year, I mean, what's it been like really playing at Greater Nevada Field? It is a hitter-friendly ballpark, so I'm sure that helps a little bit. But what's it like here compared to some of the other fields that you have played at? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely hitter friendly. It's a it's a bigger ballpark, about 424 to right center. You still got, still got to hit the ball well, but uh, I mean, it definitely helps out when you barrel the ball in the air. Man, you usually get rewarded. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the fans are unreal. It's just it's a really cool energy in this stadium, and uh, I'm excited to have more games and feel that energy from the crowd. You know, plant some roots a little bit, maybe. You're a Fort Myers, <laughs> Florida kid. What has life in Northern Nevada been like? I know it hasn't been super extensive yet, but have you had a chance to kind of explore the region? And what do you yeah. just think about our neck of the woods? I haven't done much. I mean, the weather's unbelievable. I mean, you got the mountains in the background, the snow-capped mountains. I definitely I need to take a trip to Lake Tahoe and see that. Me and my parents would always talk about it. So definitely on an off day or something, I'm going to head up there with a couple of the guys. But I'm, I'm enjoying it. I really, I really like it, and then, uh, people are welcoming and – I'm honestly just having a really good time. I wish I was here a little bit longer, but uh, we got time, you know. Got a whole rest of the year, so. More season left. So you're originally from Florida, though. So are you a beach guy or a lake guy? 
I'm a beach guy. Okay. I like going to the beach, bring the jet skis out there, jump the waves, and I, I fish a little bit. We go deep sea fishing. My brother and my dad love, 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 love the fish. I don't have much patience for it, man, but I like I like deep sea fishing. It's fun <laughs> catching big fish and just being out there with the family. No, that sounds cool. But I can imagine. Yeah, there's a lot of that in Florida. So, really cool. Well, you and I have something in common that I want to ask you about, Blaze, because we both started our careers in the Treasure State. Tell me about yep. your time as a part of the Missoula Osprey and what it was like living in Montana. That honestly was one of my favorite places in uh, in my minor league journey so far. Being in Missoula, uh, it was really my first time kind of being away from my parents, getting sent up there. And I mean, you're pretty much in like the Pacific Northwest up there, had a host family, treated treated us really well. I was up there with Alec Thomas, uh, Christian Robinson. We shared a house, and that was, that was some of the most fun baseball I've ever had, man. It's, that place is special. We go on a river float right behind our stadium. It floats us around for about four hours, and I don't know. It was just – it was different. Not not used to, used to that, being around the mountains and stuff, but I, I really, really enjoyed my time out there, man. Missoula has a – it's a close place in my heart, man. Seriously. That's a heck of a place That's to end really up cool. as a teenager starting out your pro baseball career. As I was a 22-year-old <laughs> starting out my broadcast career, I was in Billings, Montana, which I would argue Missoula is a little bit more exciting yep. than Billings. But I know you probably made it through the Magic no City as well, right? See, I don't think I went to Billings, actually. Okay. So I got up there. I played about maybe 28 games, but I think I missed Billings. We definitely played Billings at home because we had – we had a couple heated games against them that I, that I can remember that I was involved in. But, but yeah, I, I didn't get to go to Billings, but uh, that, that league was pretty cool, man. It was, it was cool to kick off my pro ball, pro ball career at. Nothing like the Pioneer League. Yeah. He is Blaze Alexander back in action no. for the Reno Aces and just a couple of weeks removed from his 24th birthday. So belated happy birthday to you, sir, and thanks for joining us today on NSN Daily. I really appreciate, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, the latest installment of the Reno Tahoe Golf Tour as Alex Margulies links up with former Wolfpack quarterback Cody Fajardo taking on Somerset Golf and Country Club. Welcome back to NSN Daily on a Friday. Continuing now our Reno Tahoe Golf Tour with Nevada Sportsnet's Alex Margulies linking up, if you will, with one Wolfpack great, former Nevada quarterback and current CFL quarterback, Cody Fajardo, together the duo hitting up Somerset. This segment sponsored by Golf NV. Locally owned, locally loved. Golf NV. Welcome to Somerset Golf and Country Club. Great facility designed by Tom Kite, KBR Design. Uh, back in 2004, we opened. Just a, a really good high desert design. What's up, guys? Alex Margulies hanging out with Cody Fajardo, former Wolfpack quarterback. How are we doing? Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. So uh, now in the CFL with the uh, Montreal Alouettes. Is this like your eighth year now in the Eighth, CFL? yep. Ninth if you count the COVID year, but we didn't play, obviously. So nine years professionally, eight years playing, and it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing seeing all the amazing parts that Canada has to offer, and six months on, six months off, and you get opportunities to also come home and play uh, beautiful courses like this. What's, uh, what's
what's the golf game looking like right now? Got a birdie, uh, almost my first hole-in-one. Um, that was uh, pretty impressive. We were just talking about how today's the day to hit a hole-in-one with all the cameras around, and uh, I think we were, I was two putter, putter head lengths away, and um, but then the next hole didn't go so well. So that's the way of golf. It's the ebb and flow, the ups and downs, and um, but I, I really love this game. What a beautiful day, huh? Sticks it. That boy. I'll be just fine. Turn. Keep turning. Keep turning. Oh, I think you'll be all right. Oops. Come on. Be right. Be right. Oh, let's go. That's real TV. This isn't like a, oh, matching it together. Like I took a couple shots and that's the one that went in. That was the first try. Your son's nine months old now? Nine months today. How, what's it like being a dad? It's incredible. It puts a lot of things in perspective. Um, the biggest thing is life isn't so football 24 seven. And I think that's what's helped me so much more on the field than it is off the field is just mentally. You go out, you throw three picks, you come home. My son's gonna love me the same way uh, if I throw three touchdowns or three picks, right? So just having him puts a lot of things in perspective and having him around during the season. And uh, it, it's just been a blessing for my wife and I. We truly are thankful for the, for the little guy and uh, we're just excited to see how, how he grows up and maybe get him on the golf course before throwing a football. <laughs> Oh, Cody, one of us, one of us. Pro athletes, so pops are like the rest of us. I love it. Sometimes you gotta hum humble yourself, you know? Make it a little bit harder on yourself. Gotta go, girl. Woo! Right there on the edge. <laughs> take it, we'll take it, we'll take it. Dancing. Days like this remind you why you uh, still call Northern Nevada home, huh? Absolutely. It's rare that I'm ever back during the beautiful parts of the, the year because right. the season, right? But man, it's when I'm done playing, it'll be uh, nice to get a membership. <laughs> <laughs> got a couple more years, though, and yeah. uh, got got to have the little guy at least know his dad played professional football. Exactly. Watch me play a little exactly. bit and understand exactly. it. So. All right. Good to see you, Cody. Once and always a Wolfpack quarterback. Now, the head man of the Montreal Alouettes. Happy to be here. It's always nice to get out here on the golf course with you. Thanks for the invite. All right, we'll see you guys on the Reno Tahoe Golf Tour presented by Golf Envy. Tough gig for Alex Margulies there, huh? <laughs> Just hitting the links with Cody Fajardo. Not I know. Too bad. Sounds like a nice, nice day out there, right? <laughs> nice day at work. <laughs> and it's nice that Cody could uh, experience that nice day. Of course, we wish him the best of the luck in his season with Montreal. Yeah, entering now is uh, almost tenth season. Unbelievable. In the CFL, which I, is I crossed paths with him in college, that. so I'm like, man, I can't believe we've been. It's been that long since we've been out of yeah, school. Yeah, it's so. been a while. As he said, he's <laughs> gotten to explore a lot of places in Canada, and he's really found his niche in the CFL, which is awesome for a guy who had a stellar Wolfpack career and now finding his career there.
in the CFL. It's something I love to see, and he's not the first, but he's also found a home in Northern Nevada. Of mm -hmm. course, he's a Cali kid, and so, uh, but he's got those roots planted in Reno now, where he was uh, obviously a beloved player and has proved to be a, a great citizen in our region, and we often have him here in the studio. So shout out to Cody for always hanging out with us on NSN. Yeah, shout out to Cody is right. I want Come. the next golf assignment, though. <laughs> we, I think we can ask. All right. I think we I'll can ask. ask Alex nicely. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next here on NSN Daily, draft night in the association. NBA We're draft. talking. The latest picks to the NBA and how the Mountain West did. Let's straight ahead. NBA draft. The San Antonio Spurs select Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, no surprise. Last night. The San Antonio Spurs making the first selection of the NBA draft and going with Victor Wembinyama, the French phenom, 19 years old, listed at 7'4". Many saying he is the consensus best prospect since LeBron James, who was drafted, hard to believe, 20 years ago. Well, they had pretty much had him penned in as the number one pick like a year ago. The NBA app was streaming his games throughout the season when he's playing in France. You don't really see that no. ever, but they did it with this guy because they knew. Comparing him to LeBron James, no pressure. Right. No pressure, right? But to think they had a camera on him in France, they interviewed him in France after it happened, that's pretty surreal. You don't yeah. see that often. Yeah, the draft lottery, when the selection, when it was determined that the Spurs were going to have the number one pick, they ESPN had a reporter with him in France, basically saying, what's it like oh. to know you're going to go to the Spurs, even though the draft isn't for another month or so. So uh, yeah, you don't see that kind of coverage often. No. NBA figured they had to uh, market Wemby as quick as possible. Oh. But as you see in these highlights, I mean, he looks like he can do things that not many players ever can do. I think the big word on him is going to be durability and how that body fares in an 82-game NBA season. I can imagine some of the current players are excited to uh, bump into him a little bit and see just how strong that 19-year-old is. I know. It'll be uh, <laughs> pretty cool to see now all these guys that are, were drafted and just to see how their careers evolve. Or is there someone who was not drafted that is going to be the next best thing to come out of this year's class? Uh, but I always think it's interesting with basketball how there's only two rounds yeah and only 58 picks this year it's typically 60 but you had a couple teams that were punished for tampering that ended up losing second round picks it is pretty cutthroat but as you said shannon there's always players that aren't drafted that make huge impacts and mb and mb end up becoming really great players in the league so yeah if you're not drafted that's not the end of it for you but when you're a guy like Wemby that's mm -hmm. worth a number one pick that is for certain well of the 58 picks in Thursday's draft none came from the Mountain West it's the first year the conference hasn't had a selection since 2017 hard to believe that yeah. but after the draft a couple Mountain West guys did get picked up by teams we have Omari Moore including the Mountain West player of the year, the San Jose State product agreed to a two-wheel, two-way deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Six-six guard. He was the top prospect in the Mountain West, though, this year, averaging over 17 points, nearly five rebounds, and five assists per game. Yeah, I think Wolfpack fans uh, weren't fans of Amari Moore after what he did to them in that Mountain West tournament, when the Spartans were able to upend the Wolfpack and end their run at the conference tournament. How about two-time Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year, Nathan Mensah? Boy, he was a presence in the paint for. 
the Aztecs signing an Exhibit 10 contract with the Charlotte Hornets, the 6'10 native of Ghana, helping lead the Aztecs to the national championship game. And now he joins Cody Martin with Buzz City. I want to let you know, an Exhibit 10 contract, it's a one-year minimum salary NBA deal that allows the franchise to convert that contract to a two-way deal if that change is made before the start of the regular season. What's a two-way deal? Well, technically, that's more lucrative for the players. It allows them to simultaneously be rostered on an NBA team and its G League affiliate, in case you needed to know. I did not know that, so yep. thank you. <laughs> There's thank a lot you. of new rules for the, now, yeah. yeah, I know, lots of rules. Well, <laughs> before the picks were made, though, there was a big draft day trade involving the Golden State Warriors, who are now welcoming Chris Paul to Dub Nation, Golden State's one-time Western Conference rival now joining them after being sent first from Phoenix to Washington as part of the Bradley Beal trade, then from the Wizards to the Warriors in exchange for Jordan Poole, the 38-year-old often referred to as the point god. Well, now team up with Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and the Dubs as they look to stay in contention. How's that for a nickname, the point Ooh. god? Yeah, Chris who gave Paul? him that? I'd love to know. What's that? Who gave him that nickname? I, yeah, that's a good point because right? it kind of just – materialized but I wonder who's the first person that referred to him as that but I mean at 38 he's still a pretty elite player and uh, I know he wanted to get it all done with the Phoenix Suns they certainly came close cup of coffee with the Wizards before getting traded a second time and that was a heck of a rivalry when Chris Paul was part of the Houston Rockets they were going at the Warriors year after year and there's even a, a pretty legendary meme I guess you could call it at this point where Chris Paul and Warriors coach Steve Kerr kind of were like laughing at each other, kind of, you know, sarcastically. And then they keep the camera on Chris. And as he turns his head, he basically kind of like stops laughing and makes a frown as if to say, like, I'm not going to laugh with you, coach. And now they're on the same team. And so it'll be an interesting dynamic in that Dubs locker room. Well, speaking of the Suns as well, former Nevada Wolfpack point guard Grant Sherfield, he has committed to playing for the Suns for the summer league. Yep. Desmond Cambridge Jr. has also committed to joining the Toronto Raptors for NBA Summer League. So we'll see. Maybe those guys will find their niche on those teams and land. Yeah, nice to a see spot. a couple former Wolfpack guys getting that chance to uh, wear an NBA jersey. And, yeah, the Summer League is where everybody is really gunning to try to earn one of those two-way mm -hmm. contracts. And so those two guys, Des and Grant, will have their chance as the Summer League invades Sacramento. And, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, Las Vegas coming up next month. All right, next on Daily, Chris Murray is going to join me as we head down to Las Vegas, where we are joined by Mike Palm at the Circus Sportsbook. It is our weekly Best Bet segment, and that is coming up next on NSN Daily. This segment sponsored by Circa Sports. Welcome back to NSN Daily alongside Chris Murray. I'm Mike Stephenson. We are in the Legends Bay Lounge powered by Circa Sports. Circa Sports, pardon me, and joined now by Mike Palm down in Las Vegas. It is our Circa Best Bets segment. Mike, last week we checked in talking A's fever. Has it crept into Southern Nevada? <laughs> uh, no. I mean, uh, it just more people are reading through the, the uh, referendum or however you want to say it to get the, to raise this money and all the, the the pork and special interests that are included in it are pretty pretty amazing i mean it, it puts some real tough economic conditions on the a's which would lead you to believe that this is a flip that uh, they're trying to move the team here and and then sell it so we'll see what happens um it's a formality now. I know the the major league baseball owners have to approve it, but why wouldn't they? I would think it would be unanimous obviously. They're not drawing anybody or making any money in Oakland, and there's an opportunity to 
not only drive more revenue, but obviously increase the book value of the team. And uh, Major League Baseball is obviously built on the revenue sharing. So I think it'll pass unanimously. And now they, the A's got to come up with the money and then uh, put the construction deal together. We'll see how that goes with uh, nine anchors to work with there. Okay, let's transition now, talk a little NBA. Of course, uh, number one pick to the San Antonio Spurs, no surprise, Victor Wembenyama. Uh, what are we looking at as far as rookie of the year odds? Because obviously the hype around this kid is tremendous. You know, it's really interesting. So it varies a little bit in the market, but the consensus is around minus 220, minus 225 for rookie of the year. So you can take the field at around plus 185, plus 190. The interesting thing is the NBA's new collective bargaining agreement, which requires to win any sort of MVP or Rookie of the Year awards, uh, six, any, any kind of award, a player must have played 20 minutes in 65 or more games. Hmm. It, that's interesting because I think the handicap here is, does Wimbayana qualify? You know, we've seen big men before and the fragility that they have. Um coming over here and playing the American game. Will he stay healthy? Also, he's going to a franchise that created load management in the Spurs. So, I mean, if he is healthy, does he even play 20 minutes in 65 games? It's very, very interesting. So I think there's value in looking at the field at plus 185. There were obviously a couple of trades pre-draft. The biggest one, probably Bradley Beal going from the Washington Wizards to the Phoenix Suns. Did that shift the Suns' odds of winning the NBA championship? Did they move up the pecking order at all as they shipped out Chris Paul? It did. They were sixth at around nine to one last week. And then after the trade, we've moved them down to plus 650. They actually sit third now. So a pretty significant shift from six to third. Um, and we also, our odds are not really on market totally. I mean, most folks have the Nuggets as the favorite. We've moved um, the Celtics ahead of this Porzingis deal um, to actual favoritism. So here at Circa, the Celtics are the favorite at plus 455. The Nuggets are the second choice at plus 575, and the Bucks um, fourth at 685. Most places have the Nuggets around 430 to 450, with the Celtics the second choice, just short of $5. Hmm, that off-season futures certainly intriguing, but uh, interesting <laughs> to hear how the Celtics moved up with that Porzingis trade. Let's transition now to a little NFL talk, and we hear so much about the AFC and obviously the Chiefs. Bengals, are the Bills going to be a contender again? What about the NFC, though? I mean, are, are San Francisco 49er fans around here, uh, is there reason to be still optimistic about that championship window? Uh, are the Eagles still going to be uh, toward the top of the pecking order there? What do you think? Well, they're actually dead even in our book right now. There's actually a tie for first and a tie for third in the odds market in the NFC. The Eagles and 49ers are both plus 345, which is a shorter price than the Chiefs are to win the AFC at plus 380. And then... It's hard to believe I'm saying this. Tied for thirds in odds are the Cowboys and the Lions, both at just short of 7-1 to one at plus 675. Then there's a pretty significant drop-off. The Seahawks, who are the fifth choice at plus 1250, and the Saints, uh, the sixth choice at uh, plus 1450. Um, I, I would have anticipated the Eagles would have been a little bit more of a clearer favorite at this point, but... Um, you know, you lose both coordinators uh, and you come off that curse. Everybody talks about the Super Bowl loser curse and what, you know, the teams don't even make the playoffs, let alone getting back to the Super Bowl. It's very rare. So uh, it will be interesting. I would still lean if the odds were even a little bit towards the Eagles here. But I know there's optimism uh, in 49er land and a lot of thought that if Purdy hadn't got hurt, you know, they had a, a decent shot to win the NFC championship game in Philadelphia. The shame is we'll never know. 
The Lions, uh, third in the NFC. That's pretty crazy. I know they're favored to win the NFC North. Probably hasn't been the case since Barry Sanders retired. Do you think that's more commentary on how uh, people perceive the Lions and the step they're expected to take, or more uh, commentary on how bad the rest of the NFC North is expected to be? Well, the NFC North is, is really interesting because, I mean, what, what will Bryce Love be? I mean, there's a lot of optimism there around that talk, and everybody's just sort of riding off the Packers. I'm not that high on Minnesota. I still think Cousins is not a winner at the quarterback position. I know they've put so much so much money into him. The Lions have been the darlings, and I don't know if this is part of that boost you get from hard knocks and how you know the country fell in love with them and crazy Dan Campbell and this team, but... You know, we have Lions fever here because Derek, of course, is from Detroit and so many people that work here are from Michigan. I mean, they're all, they were celebrating like they won the Super Bowl when the schedule come out. They're playing the Chiefs in the opening game. I said, you're so excited to be 0-1. I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I guess they're small victories for them, but I, I think I have to see it to believe it. They showed signs, obviously, of improvement last year. I think Campbell's improved as a strategist in-game. They did the right thing drafting an offensive line, you know, I thought they should have been in the sweepstakes for some of these quarterbacks because I, you know, I guess golf is serviceable, but is he going to take it to the next level? Is he going to take it to a conference championship? I don't know. I would have been in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes if those were real, if I was Detroit and Minnesota, but um, there it lies. So, uh, I, I mean, I hope they're competitive. It'd be nice if they made the playoffs. There'd be a lot of excitement uh, for all these Lions fans around here. I guess maybe we should get a little AFC talk in here. Is it the Chiefs and everyone else for the foreseeable future? Well, not really. It's pretty tight, the top three. Remember the Bills were the prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl at just 6-1 to one overall last year. They're actually the third choice with the Bengals, who've made two straight NFC or AFC championship games second. So the Chiefs are plus 380 here at Circa. The Bengals are plus 480, and the Bills right behind the Bengals at plus 505. This is interesting. Then you have a tie for fourth, Ravens and Jets. So Aaron Rodgers fever there with the Jets being the tied for fourth choice. They're both a little over 10-1. to one. And then three teams come in tied for sixth at 13 to one, 13 to one, um, Chargers, Jags, and Dolphins. Let's talk a little golf. So Wyndham Clark, a pretty big upset there, winning the U.S. Open. I guess what were the odds he went off on, and how did his victory kind of impact you guys? Did you guys do well in the U.S. Open? We did well. Um, we 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 were in real good shape on Sunday. You know. Uh, going into Sunday, unless there was some sort of a, a co complete collapse at the whole top of the leaderboard, we were in great shape and we, we won okay. The Clark, you know, high five figures. Uh, we opened him at 94 to 1. That was the original price. And you saw a couple tickets if you follow Twitter posted, you know, uh, guys betting $1,000, $1,500 that cash nice tickets on him, $500. He closed at around 80 to 1. I'm mad because. Mid first round, when he was like four or five under, and he was in fourth or fifth place, uh, Rick Dunois, who's a host here and who runs our sportsbook seating, sort of the Mater D, who used to be a pro golfer, played on the pro tour um, years ago, uh, said to me, because we were looking at the in play odds, he says, you know, Clark might be worth a bet at 34 to one. And I said, are you going to bet him? And he said, I'm not going to bet him. Well, so I dismissed it because he wasn't betting him himself. It would have been nice to catch him even at 34 to one there uh, when he had played. Uh, a good first 10 or 12 holes, I think it was at that point. What an incredible win. Uh, obviously, I imagine shifting his odds into this weekend over there in Connecticut. I guess uh, anything else you got for us down in Southern Nevada, Mike Palm, as we uh, let you go I, here on a Friday? I would just say one thing about like these NBA futures, and, and uh, we're talking about teams at 5-1 to one and 6-1. to one. You know, you're tying your money up for a year. 
I think people have to remember that, that how long you have to tie your money up to bet the NBA champion now. We won't know till next June. So this as a better as you need to think about that. I guess now that we're in a big off-season period, what do you see as the most common future bets or what is kind of your strategy as you head into some of the more busier seasons? They'll, they'll be, uh, well, in terms of the NBA, the people will start betting win total. You know, the, the win totals are actually, in terms of number of bets, you get more bets on team win totals than you do actually uh, on teams to win a championship. Those come more as the season starts to progress and people look at a team. You might take a flyer on the longer shots. We're getting a lot of baseball futures right now, especially MVP and Cy Young betting. All right. The options are endless. <laughs> he is Mike Palm down at the Circus Sportsbook in Las Vegas. Mike, we'll check back next week. Thanks, fellas. All right, we're back after this on NSN Daily. Drama at the College World Series with Tommy Tanks White sending LSU into the championship round in style, smacking a two-run shot, a walk-off home run in the 11th inning of Thursday's elimination game with the Wake Forest Tigers, the number one seed, going down. The Tigers, led by former Wolfpack coach Jay Johnson, will now face Florida in an all-SEC best-of-three final for college baseball's national championship. So Johnson was, of course, with Nevada in 14 and 15 and then ended up getting the job at Arizona, took the Wildcats mm -hmm. to that final round in Omaha in 2016. They fell to Coastal Carolina. So a few short years later, Jay Johnson back in that final round, taking on a friendly foe out of the SEC in Florida. Best of three starting tomorrow. We'll see if Coach Johnson can get it done. Of course, he had Robbie Snelling mm -hmm. committed. He did. Before I know. Robbie said, you know what, I want to go pro. Quick mention on the McQueen kid who pitched last night for Lake Elsinore. He went five innings, no runs, no walks, one hit, and four strikeouts. Um, we should talk more about him next week because he is continuing to dominate yeah. the California League. We really should. He is having a phenomenal season. I, I feel like he should get that phone call. Maybe bump soon. him up a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Some point this season. He is young. But, mm -hmm. man, at some point this season you would like to think. It's been cool seeing him prove to be worth that first-round pick. Yeah, it really has been. Finishing up today with a little Nevada soccer news. The Wolfpack has its non-conference schedule. Things start August 7th with an exhibition against St. Mary's. They'll play at Lake Tahoe Community College, their first game of the season, though, August 17th at Virginia. That's a big one. That's a big one, Across Mike. the country, yeah. Yeah. Home opener will be September 3rd with UC Riverside coming into town. There's also some trips to Richmond, Southern Utah, Utah Tech, Idaho, also Loyola Marymount. Eastern Washington will be here on the 17th. The Eagles are a pretty good program, and that'll round out those 10 pre-Mountain West matches, as you see a few of the conference games also in there, the Mountain West opener, September 21st. Rocco Miller had some more news for us today, too. College basketball analyst and apparently schedule guru, as he reported, Nevada's going to welcome Pacific back to Lawler this year. Those two mm -hmm. teams like to get together. They do. The first meeting between <laughs> the two since 2020, that game scheduled reportedly for Wednesday, November 15th at Lawler Event Center. I'm sure as the weeks go on, more news will start to mm -hmm. trickle in about some of Nevada's non-conference opponents this year. Of course, the news, the big news trickled in with Jazz Gardner landing at Nevada. Mm -hmm. That final scholarship has been gobbled up by the big fella. So excited to see what he brings to the table. And yeah, Rocco Miller has helped us piece together this schedule. We know Sacramento <laughs> State is the opener. We know Nevada's uh, playing Pacific. I think there's a couple others the in Diamond there. Diamond Head Classic Diamond in Hawaii. Diamond Head and also, and also home a game and home at Hawaii. And Washington too.
She's Shannon Kelly. I'm Mike Stephenson. That's been a Friday installment of NSN Daily. We'll see you back here on Monday, friends.